Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39, we'll read this for context and then we will pray again now that you can hear me. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now, as Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he answered for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all the, those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word and the mercy and grace, Lord, by which you've given it to us, Lord, and the mercy and grace that you intend for it to bring to our lives. And so this morning, Lord, we're a needy people needing your grace and your mercy and most of all your peace. Lord, you tell us your gospel is a gospel of peace. And so, Lord, speak that peace into our hearts today. Calm the waters that maybe are, 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 are raging around us in this world and maybe in our lives, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for your peace this morning to just transcend it all and, and to, to just give us that peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. Lord, we need that as your people this morning. And, Lord, we turn to your word for it. We turn to you for it. 
But we also pray this morning you make us obedient. Lord, bring us to that place where we would, by faith, begin to walk in the things that you declare to us in your word. We would be a people, Lord, and that our obedience would speak to our faith. And our faith would result in obedience. So, Lord, fill us now with your Holy Spirit and lead us once again in this study because you only can. Lord, my words will fail, but your words, Lord, are everlasting. Speak them to us. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. We're picking up in our passage this morning in Luke chapter 1. We've been looking at the events surrounding Elizabeth and and Zacharias and this baby that's going to be born to them. And then we turned our focus to Mary, the uh, one who was betrothed to Joseph and the promises that Gabriel made to her about the child that she would have as well, these supernatural events. And last week, as you recall, we took a little detour. And we took a look at what it is to be the betrothed under the Israel tradition of marriage. And we related to that scripturally to the things that we can have hope in and, and a promise to us as God's bride, the church. But today we're going to turn our attention back to this gospel. Look again at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, during Gabriel's visitation to Mary, when he was telling her about the baby that she would have, he told her that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant as well. Verse 36 of this chapter tells us that. And so knowing that Elizabeth had experienced a similar supernatural visitation, Mary likely figuring that she above all people, meaning Elizabeth above all people, would understand what was happening with her, she considers the, the, decides to make this considerable journey from her home in the Galilee region to the hill country of Judea, which is the hill region near Jerusalem, to, to visit her cousin Elizabeth, a distance of approximately 80 to 100 miles. Now, in our thinking, 80 to 100 miles is a long distance, but having to been to Israel and being in the Galilee region, then going up to the Jerusalem, the hill country around Jerusalem, let me just tell you, that would be a grueling journey. That would be an absolutely grueling journey for Mary to make, especially now that she's going to have this child. But just think about this, just traveling through this arid, dry desert region up and making this descent up into the region around Jerusalem. Mary really wanted to go there and visit with Elizabeth. Is it because that they're sharing an experience? I don't know. Could very well be that she knows something supernatural is happening with Elizabeth and now something supernatural is happening with Mary that she wants to share this, this common bond with Elizabeth. You know, it's not uncommon for any of us to seek out people who experience similar spiritual things to the things that we're experiencing spiritually because we know that they, maybe better than most, can understand what's happening with us. And yet I would say this, we need to always realize that despite the similarities, our experiences might still be very different. We, we got to be careful not to look for spiritual templates based on our experiences or in the experience of others. While they might be similar in some ways, we need to always remember that, that God works individually in our lives, very uniquely and very individually in our lives. You know, when you think about this, Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist by Zacharias's seed, by her husband's seed. But Mary, even though it was a supernatural event as it was for Elizabeth, Mary was carrying a baby conceived in her supernaturally 
by the Holy Spirit. Similar situations, even linked situations, but incredibly unique situations to each of them. And so while they could most certainly relate to each other in some ways, there would have been ways in which they would not have been able to relate to each other. And we need to remember this as well as God works in our lives, because I know our tendency is to find people who are going through the same things. So maybe we know how to handle it or deal with it. But just remember, there are no templates. God is working individually in your life. He's working individually in the lives of those around you. And though there may be similarities, ultimately what God is doing with you may be very, very different than what God is doing with others. So we don't know exactly why Mary goes, but she does go and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. They do have this shared experience. Look at what happens next. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. The babe leaps in her womb. You know, it's not unusual for a baby to move about in her mother's womb during the, especially about the six month of pregnancy, which is where she's at at this point. You know, I, I remember back when Cindy was carrying Megan and Jennifer both, you know, uh, Megan, she and I used to play pokey pokey about the six month. I would poke at Cindy's stomach and Megan would poke back out. <laughs> You'd see her finger. She'd literally poke out and I'd poke again and she'd poke back out. Jenny, Jenny just did backflips, you know, so it was not uncommon for, for, for babies to do this. But the, the timing of this response that we're seeing here in the scriptures, in the gospel, it's, it's not coincidental. It's not like this that we experience. It's, it's supernaturally significant. There, there's a clear sense that this unborn baby, the, John the Baptist, somehow knew that he was in the presence of God in the flesh, just waiting to be born into this world, and he was rejoicing even in the womb because of it. Even this unba- unborn baby knew the good news that was about to be born into the world. As one commentator summed it up, he said, Not yet born, John is already worshiping. Now, I believe that people who have an open heart to the Lord and they'll oftentimes worship him even before they're born spiritually. Stay with me on this a little bit. It is a little bit of a tangent trail, uh, a little from our scripture here, but, but it's related in a spiritual sense. You know, I think back to my own life before Christ, before I had a born again experience by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I knew some things about Jesus I knew things about God, but I didn't really know him personally yet. But I still had this limited sense of awareness that, that really often propelled me to worship him, even though I wasn't born again yet, even though I wasn't saved. I still worshiped him. I remember the hymns in the little Lutheran church that mom, my mom and dad would paddle me off to every Sunday morning. They stayed home, but they would send me to Sunday school, and then I would stay for church, and then I became an acolyte. But I remember sitting, oftentimes there were moments, singing those hymns, and the tears just streaming down my cheeks, even as a, a kid and not really knowing the Lord yet. I wasn't fully aware of why this was yet. I didn't have a full understanding who, of who Jesus was yet, but I had a heart that desired to worship God, and I knew his reality and his presence to some degree. And when I finally met him and was born again, that worship in my life became more full and became more real. Now, that's not to say it's this way for everyone, but I have found that oftentimes this is the case for people. People. 
Like the unborn John, they're worshiping a Jesus who has not yet been fully born or revealed in their own lives just yet, but eventually through supernatural birth, their worship becomes full and complete. But here is this baby worshiping the unborn baby Jesus yet, in both in their mother's wombs. What a significant event. And, but look on, look again at verse 41. It says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth instantaneously filled with the Holy Spirit, cries out this awesome blessing upon Mary. Really a twofold blessing, a, a twice blessed, if you will. She uses the word blessed twice, once in regard to Mary and another in regard to the baby that she's carrying. The first implication is that Mary is blessed because of the divine purpose which God has appointed to her life. And, and what a blessed honor it was for Mary to be selected to carry and to give birth to the Savior of the world. What a blessing it would be to Mary to do this. Do you know, I, I shared with the group this morning that, you know, a Jewish woman, the, the greatest desire that she had in life was to bear the Messiah. In fact, it's interesting, but in Daniel chapter 11, verse 27, I believe it is. But in Daniel chapter 11, there, there's a passage that deals with a description of the Antichrist. And it talks about he, he, won't, des he won't be the desire of women. And, and if you look at that, it says basically he won't have the desire of women. And, and some have, have attributed to the fact that, that the Antichrist would be a homosexual. The more I've studied the passage, the more I'm convinced that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is that he would not have regard for the one who is the desire of women. He would not have the regard for the Messiah in his own life. He would be a false Messiah that he'll want to worship for himself. He's not going to give worship to any other Messiah. And, and you see, it would fit because to have the Messiah was the, the blessing of women. It was the desire of women to be the one who would carry the Messiah. But here Mary's the fulfillment of that in her own life. She is blessed. She's going to be selected. She has been selected to carry the Messiah. Of all the women who have ever lived or ever will live, she's the one that God chose to carry the Messiah. What a blessing that would be. What an honor, what a privilege that would be for Mary. The second implication and where she uses this term, Elizabeth applies the blessed is, is not so much in regard to the baby himself, but in regard to how blessed the world would be because of this baby that Mary was carrying, because of the fruit among her, of her womb. The, the world, and, and it's the truth, the world has been blessed because of the fruit of Mary's womb, because of Jesus even though a significant portion of our world doesn't fully understand or appreciate that blessing. We can't help but to think of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, 
and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life and who is sufficient for these things. Paul talking about this great privilege that you and I have of carrying the gospel to the world. He says that we're carrying the aroma of Christ to the world. The the blessed aroma of Christ, in a sense, to the world. The blessing of Christ. Now, to some who have no interest in Jesus, have no desire for Jesus, don't really get Jesus, in many ways he's the aroma of death because of the rejection of him. But to those who receive it, he's an aroma of life, leading to life. That's what you and I, I pray this morning, those of you watching that you've placed your faith in Christ, and to you he's life. If that's the case, I can promise you this, you understand very well the implication of blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because he's become a blessing to you. The, the fruit of Mary's womb has become a blessing to you personally. He's changed your life. He's changed your future. He's given you life. He is the aroma of life to you, and what a blessing that is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul also says this. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you know that the message of Christ, the message of the cross, of what he came to do for you and for me, it's a blessing. Because it's the power of God at work in our lives. What a blessing is the fruit of Mary's womb to those of us who've placed our faith in Christ. But regardless of what men and women think of him, this fruit of Mary's womb is a blessing to our world. Because apart from Jesus, apart from the reality of who Jesus is, what he came to do, we have no hope as there would be no escape from our sin for which God will one day judge and condemn us just as he says he would. As Paul proclaims in 1 Corinthians and Chapter 15 and verse 17, apart from Christ, we're still lost in our sins with no hope of escape. But Christ has come. Christ was born into this world to die, and he died on our behalf. He went to the cross and he suffered for our sins, and he rose from the dead. And those of us who've placed our faith in him have found escape from our sins because he paid the price for it. It truly is a blessing to this world, whether the world knows it or not. But for those of us who are in Christ, we do know the truth of this. What powerful statements Elizabeth is making in regard to Mary and in regard to Jesus. But then it says in verse 43, But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? But why is this granted to me that the, mar- the mother of my Lord should come to me? Note that Elizabeth immediately refers to Mary as the mother of my Lord. This is a, a theological, theologically significant statement Elizabeth is making because the specific word she uses for Lord is the word kyrios in the Greek. And it's a word that conveys divine significance. And so by using this word, we know that Elizabeth now recognizes the divine implications of the baby that Mary is carrying. She's recognizing that this baby is the long-awaited and promised Messiah. And, and, and by applying this term to the baby Jesus, she's revealing to us that Jesus is God himself. And not just a mere human who will be a great prophet or a, a great servant like her own son John is going to be. 
She's using a term that's applied to God as Messiah in the Scriptures. You know, a lot of people make the claim that Jesus never, you know, Jesus never claimed to be God. He never did that. Well, first of all, that's completely untrue. It's completely untrue. I mean, just the I am statements that Jesus makes in, in, in the book of John alone, is it refutes that notion. But in addition to that, there are other places. Jesus made no bones about the fact of who he was. But even if he didn't, others did. Others did, like right here, Elizabeth is doing it. She knows that this baby is going to be God in the flesh. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus always will be God in the flesh. But how does she know this? Since Mary hasn't said anything to her yet, how, how would she even know this? I mean, there's really no indication that much dialogue has taken place. This is the greeting that's going, how would she know this? She knew it in the same way that the baby inside of her knew through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has clearly opened her eyes to the reality of whose presence she is in in this moment. Not Mary, but the baby that Mary's carrying, the divine Son of God. Remember, while the Holy Spirit has a lot of roles that he performs in, in our world and in our lives and a lot of functions that he, he does, this is the one role and function he fulfills above all else, then and now. The one role to point men and women to Jesus and to reveal him to all of us. That's his primary role. That's his primary function. Jesus even said that. In fact, in John chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus said, John 15 and verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will do all kinds of miracles. He will give all kinds of gifts. He's going to do all kinds of neat stuff and make your churches grow. He's going to do... No! He will testify of me, Jesus says. All that other stuff I just said, look, there are so many things that many people are making the Holy Spirit about today, and far too much of it makes him about things that have nothing to do with what he's really about. Now look, there, there are many things that he is about. He is about the gifts of the Spirit. He is about performing miracles at times. He is about doing different things. But, but all of these things are really secondary to his primary role and purpose of revealing Jesus to men and women and pointing them to him. That's his primary role. He will testify of me. And, and you know what? We need to be careful about not confusing all of these other things, as legitimate as many of those other things may be, of not confusing those things or giving them higher priority to the things above this one thing, which is the most important role that he fulfills. Yeah, the Spirit does impart gifts. Yet even the gifts are designed to support, not to take precedence over this primary role. You know, I think if we got that straight, a lot of the crazy stuff we see going on in Christianity today would fade away. When all of a sudden the gifts of the Spirit are not about me or my church, but everything falling into place to this one thing of the Spirit pointing us to Jesus of the Spirit revealing Jesus. That's who he came to testify of. Everything else is to work for that purpose. 
Even the Spirit's role of helping us understand the Scriptures, which we know the Bible tells us it's one of His roles. He helps us to understand and apply. It's all about revealing Jesus to us, even in the Scriptures, and His role of what Jesus came to do for us, who He is, what He's done. We need to get back to that priority. And when we get to that priority, I'm just telling you, a lot of the funky stuff, it's just going to fade away. And the priorities will be right. Well, look on in verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth now concludes by acknowledging Mary's faith and the role that it's played in all of what's happening. Blessed is she who believed, she says. Blessed is she who believed. Elizabeth recognizes that Mary's faith played an active role in receiving the promise being made to her by God. You know, it is a truth that God honors active faith and he works powerfully through it. Let me say that to you again. God honors active faith faith, and he works powerfully through it. Jesus said to the man who brought his demon-possessed son, you know, he said to the man who brought that, his son to Jesus for deliverance in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.